Hey, it is my beautiful family. I'm so excited. I'm so grateful. And listen, I believe tonight's message is going to be awesome. It doesn't matter where you are in your Christian journey. If you've been walking with Jesus for a decade, if you've been walking, for Je- walking with Jesus for one day, or if you just know him your whole life, you like Jesus Jr., I believe this particular message is going to be spiritually nutritious for you. And I'm so excited that you join me. Go ahead and tag us. Take a screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world. And I firmly believe God has a now word just for you. Mark chapter 4. The Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4, we're going to read just a few passages of Scripture. Mark chapter 4, we're going to launch our reading at verse 35. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude that They had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. (laughs) Anybody like sleeping in the storms and rain? Jesus does too. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Our claws of concern, our verses of importance, and where we're going to park, pull over, and put a quarter in the meter and have a conversation for your relevation on tonight takes residence in verse 35 when Jesus says, Let us go To the other side, and verse 37, a great wind storm arose. God, thank you. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being a loving and a mighty God. We are in high expectation of what you're going to do on tonight. We're hungry. We're desperate. We're thirsty. So please give us drink. Please quench our thirst and please edify our souls. All the study means absolutely nothing if you aren't seen, magnified, and glorified. Make me invisible so that you can be seen as visible. My typical request, oh God, every single time I have the privilege and opportunity to speak to your people, allow me to be the PA system of heaven. Allow me to be an oracle to touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, as usual, drop in the room, amen. Amen. I don't want to spend a lot of time on my introductory declaration, so I'm going to get straight to the nucleus of tonight's preaching presentation. I want us to look at this biblical narrative, and I want us to consider, I want us to consider what Jesus says. Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side and they are attempting to cross over to the other side but as they are attempting to cross over they encounter a storm Jesus says let's go that way but as they're going that way something gets in the way you ever been there Jesus says 
this is the direction I want you to go yes you're anointed to do this yes this is your assignment yes this is your oil yes this is your mandate yes you are an author yes you are a pastor yes you are a preacher yes you are an evangelist yes you are a businesswoman yes you are a businessman yes this is what I want you to do but as you're trying to follow what God told you to do you encounter a surprise somebody say surprise Oh, have you ever encountered something that causes you to question what you heard? I felt I heard God. I thought that this was God. I felt that this is what God led me to do. I believed that this was God's will. I thought I was supposed to start this ministry. I thought that this was my spouse. But some way and somehow along the way, you encounter something that makes you begin to question that reality. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been there? God, I felt like I heard you. But due to this surprise, due to what I have encountered, I'm starting to wonder if I heard wrong. <laughs> Some of us are like, okay, you know what? Jesus, my struggle is not in following you. That's not my struggle. It used to be, but it's not my struggle anymore to do what you're asking me to do. Some people are still there. I'm not. Some people still need to be convinced that God's way truly is the best way. Some people still need to be convinced because they love contrast. Uh-oh, here we go. They love contrast. I want to claim to be in the kingdom of light, but I also like some stuff in the kingdom of darkness. It's like they traffic in lukewarm living, but then they want fire blessings. Where'd they do that at, though? <laughs> I want lukewarm, I want to have lukewarm living. But then I want a fire blessing, and then they try to throw shade on the rest of us who are all in. <laughs> they try to throw shade. If you don't know what throwing shade means, that's like a millennial and Generation Z terminology for hating. They always have something to say. They're always trying to critique and criticize. They come with negative energy, bad energy. They constantly keep trying to throw shade. And if there's something that I could tell you that helped me, I'm just throwing this in here for free. Something that helped me in this ministry tenure is to make sure to never address shade that is thrown from a tree with no fruit. I don't even have time to bother that. Never address shade that is thrown from a tree with no fruit they still need to be convinced but that's not my struggle that's not where I am because I am not too proud and I don't have enough I don't have so much pride that I will stand before you and not say that I will be a fool without my good shepherd I need my good shepherd to lead me beside still waters I need him to restore my soul I need him each and every day of my life and I'm not ashamed to admit that without my good shepherd I can't think right I can't live right I can't be right I can't choose right I can't talk right I can't crave right so God I need you to shepherd me preach Holy Spirit I need you to shepherd me because without you I keep making the wrong choices Without you, I keep on ending up in recovery season after recovery season. Without you, I keep ending up in merry-go-round seasons. Without you, I keep entertaining the wrong people. People that I thought you sent me, but time just revealed I just picked them myself. <laughs> and I have a sneaky suspicion somebody's watching this message on tonight, and you look like, listen, Jay, I wish I could send an invoice to everybody who wasted my time. I wish I could send an invoice to everybody who wastes my time because I promised my bank would be set. In fact, I wish every time somebody new comes in my life, I could ask for a security deposit. <laughs> Just in case this goes south, I get it back. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I understand without the Lord, I keep on falling short. I keep on ending up in recovery season after recovery season. My issue, my issue is not in doing what you told me to do, Lord. That's not why I struggle. My issue is this storm you forgot to mention. What about the storm, God? <laughs> I don't have a problem doing what you told me to do. But you left out this storm. You forgot to mention that. You forgot to mention how my parents would turn on me. You forgot to mention that following you comes with the breakup. And the very people that I thought were going to be a part of my future are now a part of my past. You forgot to mention that. You forgot to mention that following you sometimes requires alone seasons. I didn't say lonely, but it requires alone seasons. Sometimes God separates us to introduce us to our calling. You better ask Moses. Sometimes he'll separate you to tell you your assignment. You didn't, you didn't tell me about that. You left out the storm. You left out the wind and you left out the waves that would beat against my boat and you left out the shifting rains that would impair my vision and you left out the winds that would throw me off balance. You left that part out. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if this was happening and I was outside your will. See, please listen. It is only those religious spirited people who make the erroneous assumption that just because you're going through, it must mean you're going the wrong way. I'm trying to help somebody on tonight. I'm trying to change your perspective. It's only those religious spirited people who make the assumption that the reason your life has so much turbulence, the reason your life has so much chaos, the reason your life is experiencing trial after trial and wave after wave and storm after storm, it must be because you have an open door. But I'm seeing right here in the text that that's not always true. Sometimes you're going through not because you have an open door, but because you're at the right door. You're not going through because you have an open door. You're going through because you're at the right door. You finally have the right passion. You finally have a prayer life. You finally are committed. You're finally trying to be faithful. You're finally trying to be sexually pure. You're finally trying to get rid of toxic music. You finally are, held, are holding yourself accountable and having somebody get in your business. You finally are seeking God's face. You're finally listening to sermons. You're finally having devotion. You're finally trying to do everything that God is asking you to do you finally understand your anointing and how do you know if you're anointed it's when heaven follows you but hell fights you you finally understand who you are in Christ and God this would not be shocking to me if I was outside your will but why am I experiencing so much storms and so many trials and I'm just going the direction I'm just going the direction that you told me to go. I want to know why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me that they would do me like that? Why didn't you tell me about the unexpected layoff? Why didn't you tell me about the miscarriage before my wife and I had the gender reveal party? That hurt God. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? about this and see I stated this before but I want I want to remind you there are a plethora of definitions and or descriptors that one could use in an attempt to describe or articulate who our God is 
peradventure, if I were to ask everybody watching me on tonight, if I were to ask to drop a comment and to describe who your God is, somebody would drop a comment and they would say, okay, listen, if you were to ask me to describe who my God is, I would describe him as a way maker because he keeps making a way out of no way. And I would like that comment. That's true. And that's appropriate because a way maker he is. Then somebody else would say, okay, that was great, girl. But uh, if you were to ask me to describe who my God is, I would describe him as a healer. Y'all don't know my story, but he healed me from cancer. So that's who God is to me. And I would also like like that comment heart that comment because yes that's appropriate a healer he is and then somebody else will say okay that's great but listen up bro I know him as an all-sufficient savior I know it's nothing but the blood that saved me from how I used to live and I would like and heart that comment too because a savior an all-sufficient savior he is and then somebody will come in the room with all caps and they will say hold on wait a minute let me put my thought in it if you were to ask me to describe who my God is I would describe him as an amazing attorney because some way and somehow he keeps getting my case dismissed and then everybody in the whole chat room will probably begin to shout everybody would start doing a hand raise emoji hand raise emoji and the running emoji we would all have a definition <laughs> We would have a plethora of definitions and descriptors to describe who our God is. But a description that I think a lot of us forget is our God is the God of intentionality. Okay. Y'all ready for this? Our God is the God of intentionality. It's more than just a Travis Green song. He, he, he is the God of intentionality. In layman's terms, or if I were to reduce this down to the lowest common denominator, I would simply say he's a God that operates with purposefulness. Yeah, he's a God of purpose, which is why it's so important that you discover your purpose because every single person walking this face, walking the face of the earth, you have a purpose. And I have to know my purpose because if I don't know my purpose, I'm going to live life meaningless without knowing what I'm called to do. So everything ends up attractive and I will consume everything and anything because when you're homeless, you'll end up eating trash. And when you don't understand what your purpose is, it's like you're walking around homeless because you haven't been able to find your house of a calling, your house of assignment. He is the God of purpose. I'm trying to get you to understand there is no accident, no cosmic collision, no big bang, no coincidence. Our God is a God of intentionality. Somebody drop purpose. He's a God of purpose. Therefore, this means when he does something, it's because he's doing something on purpose. And when God does nothing, it's because he's doing nothing on purpose. And since you and I serve a progressive God, since we serve a God of acceleration, not speed, but since we serve the God of acceleration and purposefulness and progression, even when God does nothing, it's because he's up to something. God operates with purposefulness. One more time, somebody say purpose. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing shocks him or catches him off guard. You might have been shocked when you discovered their true colors. But God already knew the colors that were on the paintbrush before you ever saw the painting. Because he knows all things. You might be shocked at what you discovered and what you found out. But God's all-seeing eye is everywhere, beholding the evil and the good. He knows all things. He's the God of purpose. 
God of purpose. This means the race that you're in is on purpose. The culture that you're in is on purpose. Your age is on purpose. The generation that you were born in is on purpose. The fact that you're watching me right now is on purpose. The fact that somebody tagged you to watch this message is on purpose. The fact that this popped up on your timeline is on purpose. No coincidence, no accident. Everything is on purpose because he's the God of intentionality. I believe, and what I'm attempting to articulate to you, I believe God wants us to have lighter faith and not match faith. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't want us to have match living. He wants us to have lighter living. See, I want you to see this, okay? I want you to see this. If you got to zoom in, zoom in. I want you to see this. He, he doesn't want you to have match faith. See, this is what match faith looks like. When you have match faith, you're good and you're on fire as long as you ain't moving. But when God tells you to move and when you have an assignment, your faith goes out. As soon as you get tested, it's oh, so good. As soon as you get tested, like when you hear this message on the night or you hear a good word, a good sermon, you're at a good conference, you're on fire as long as nothing happened, as long as you don't go through nothing, as long as you're not tested, as long as you don't have stress. But when you experience the wind of adversity, your fire goes out, your commitment goes out, your passion goes out. He doesn't want you to have match living. See, when you have match living, when fear comes your way, you'll match it and start being fearful. When you have match living, when something comes your way that is perverted, you'll match it and engage in perversion. He doesn't want you to have match living. And I think a lot of us, you don't even recognize that this is how your faith is. You're fine as soon as you hear a good word and nothing happens. I can burn for God as long as I'm not tested. I can burn for God as long as I'm not going through nothing. But just a little discomfort, just a little calling, just a little motion. Then your flame goes out, your commitment goes out, your passion goes out, your joy goes out, your devotion goes out, your commitment goes out, your loyalty goes out. Because you cannot handle the wind of adversity. But I believe God is calling for us to have lighter faith. When you have lighter faith, you know what? I can go through something, but I'm still burning. I can have the wind of adversity, but I'm still on fire. I can be tested, but I'm not going out. And when you have lighter faith, I can light other people on fire. It doesn't matter if God tells me to move, I'm going to move just like that. It doesn't matter if I'm tested, I'm still going to be on fire. I'm still going to be committed. I'm still going to be loyal. I'm still going to seek his face. I'm still going to have passion. I'm about to throw this light in this church. God is saying, I want you to have something on the inside of you. I want you to have commitment on the inside of you so that when you're tested, your fire won't go out. I want you to have lighter faith, light other people on fire. Somebody's probably concerned, uh oh, he threw that fire. Is the church going to catch on fire? I want you to be able to light your community on fire. I want you to be able to light your family on fire. I want you to be able to light your nation on fire. You got to have this fire on the inside. And you got this option. When people around you, I'm not going to dim my light. Either you're going to get burned or you're going to catch on fire with me because I have lighter faith. And could it be one of the purpose? of God allowing us to go through is because he wants to expose you to the reality that you're not at a place that you think you are. I want to expose you because you think you're strong, but you just have match faith. And when the wind blows, your faith and your commitment goes out. But you wouldn't know that if I didn't let you go through this wind of testing.
You wouldn't know that if I didn't let you go through this wind of discomfort. You wouldn't know that if I didn't let you experience the wind of turbulence. What if God is trying to do this to show you I need you to grow up? Ah, I feel like I'm coming for somebody's life. It's not a shock to you. It might be a shock to you, but it's not a shock to God. Therefore, one of the qualities that you and I must have if we're going to walk with God Two traits that we're going to have to have, and that is trust and the ability to handle surprises. <laughs> the ability to handle surprises. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there are any inconsistencies to God's nature. But I am saying there is an unpredictability to his motion. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm not saying that there's any inconsistencies in who God is. But I am saying there is an unpredictability in what God does. In some moments, sometimes we see somebody's child is sick and Jesus will make the expedition to get to their house. Other times we see a child that's sick and Jesus just says, go, they'll live. And you'll be heading back to your house and you encounter people who are at your house watching over your child and they'll let you know, hey, your child is better. And then you'll ask, man, what time did they get better? And they'll tell you the same time that Jesus told you they will live. There's just an unpredictability to his motion. In one moment, if you're Zacchaeus, he'll tell you to come down from the tree. I'm going to your house. But then if you're Mary and Martha, he'll wait four or five more days at the place where he is because you called him to come fix something, but he wants to let it die here we go about to mess you up what if you want God to fix it but he wants it to die what if the thing that you're asking God to fix he wants it to die not to activate your tears but to activate your trust Preach, Holy Spirit, not to activate your tears, but to activate your trust. You're coming to me because you want me to fix it, but I want it to die. And anytime God wants something to die, it's always for two reasons. I want it to die because it's getting in the way of what I called you to do. It's getting in the way of your purpose. It's getting in the way of your destiny. This relationship has to die because it's holding you back from where I'm trying to take you to. And the other reason God lets things die is because he's going to raise it back up. He's going to raise it back up. Don't mess with me. I hope you understand that you serve the God of a bounce back. You serve the God of a bounce back. I'm going to wait and I'm going to let it die. I want it to be good and dead. I'm going to wait four days until it's dead. Go ahead and try to give CPR to it. Go ahead and try to resuscitate it. Go ahead, do everything you can. Exercise all your strength, all your effort, all your might. I want everybody to say it's dead. I want them to say he's good and dead. I want him to say your marriage is dead. I want them to say that your ministry is dead, your career is dead, your mind is dead, so that when I step in and when I I come through nobody can get the credit but me I wanted to die because God traffics with giving you a look at me now testimony I'm about to run off this stage y'all a look at me now testimony look at me now I used to be an alcoholic but look at me now I used to be a porn star but look at me now I used to be a drug dealer but look at me now I used to be a prostitute but look at me now God wants to give you a look at me now testimony and a lot of us ask this question, why would God do that? Why would God train me like this? Like, I'm cool with you being my personal trainer and stuff, God, but this is a little too much. I believe it's because we could only handle the divine in increments. 
We, we can only handle the divine in increments, not because we have a capacity limitation, but because we need to be detoxed from former information. If I were to give you all of the stuff that I'm doing in your life right now, you wouldn't be able to handle it because there's still too much Egypt in you. And so what God will do many times is he will give you a surprise so that he could get that out of you. In other words, there's a lot of stuff I want to put in you. But the only way I could put it in you is I got to get a lot of stuff out of you. So I'm going to give you a surprise of a Red Sea. I'm going to give you a surprise of a Red Sea because right now you have abandonment issues. You think that nobody's going to catch you because somebody told you that they loved you and you fell for somebody who had no intentions of catching you. And so now you have abandonment issues. And you know how I'm going to teach you how to be free from this? I'm going to place you before a Red Sea because you can crack an egg, but you can't crack a Red Sea. <laughs> so when I crack this Red Sea and I get you to walk through on dry ground and you're making this expedition over to your next season, the next time you encounter something difficult, the next time you encounter something hard, the next time you experience a hard season, you're not going to have an abandonment issue. You're going to have a reflecting symptom. <laughs> As I begin to reflect, I remember last time I couldn't pay rent, God came through. I remember the last time I didn't know how I was going to do this, God came through. I remember the last time I was in a bad situation, God came through, and if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have enough faith to face this. I wouldn't have enough faith to face this. So God says, I'm going to allow you to go through so that next time you can trust that I'm going to come through. <laughs> I'm going to allow you to go through so the next time you face it, you can trust that I'm going to come through. See, please hear me, y'all. Please hear me. Please hear me. You'll never know him as Elohim. If he doesn't allow you to be in a situation where there's chaos all around you, but some way and somehow you still got peace. You'll never know him as Jehovah Jireh. You'll just quote it, but you won't know it. You'll never know him as Jehovah Jireh, your provider, unless he allows you to be placed in a situation where you grinding, you hustling, you trying to connect, and nothing is working because God is saying, I'm the one who provides for you. But you'll never know him as that if he doesn't allow you to go through. You'll never know him as a way maker unless he allows you to be placed in a situation where there seems to be no exit. There seems to be no door. There seems to be no window. There seems to be no escape. And then out of nowhere, God provides you a way. I feel like I'm coming for somebody's life and it's because there's so many messages that makes us think because we're Christians we're immune from trouble. There's so many messages that are inspiring us to death. But when you go through something you doubt God. When you go through something you doubt what you heard. When you go through a storm you question did Jesus really tell us to go this way and I'm trying to let you know you'll never know him as the God who can shut the mouth of the lion if he doesn't allow you to spend the night with beast. You'll never know him as the fourth man in the fire if he doesn't allow you to be thrown in a fiery furnace. It's for me to allow you to go through this so that you can see that I'm going to get you out of this. This is how God dresses you for the future. This is how God dresses you for the future. I have to get this out of you so I can put this trust in you. I don't want you to have match living. I don't want you to have match living. I want you to have lighter living because you're the light of the world. And I want other people to be able to see when they go through a wind. See, listen, if you are match and you have match living, and there's a storm that hits your whole community, if nobody's on fire, can't nobody believe your faith. 
<laughs> if when everybody goes through the same thing and you no longer burning, why would they come to you? See, but if everybody get hit by, hits by something and you're still burning, they'll begin to wonder, how in the world are they still on fire? How in the world are they still faithful? How in the world do they still have joy? How in the world are they still smiling? Don't they see the coronavirus? Don't they see what's going on? They'll be confused, but they'll be attracted because light attracts. And we have to be so mature that even when we're light, you have to recognize you attract bugs. <laughs> You attract bugs, but that doesn't mean don't stop burning. That just means if they come too close, they're going to get burned. Don't stop burning because things are bugging you. Somebody needs to see your light. See, and this is so difficult because God will talk to us about the destination, but he don't talk about the route. I don't know if you notice this about God, but he really doesn't talk in paragraph form. He just talks in a sentence. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I just said? He really doesn't talk in paragraph form. He just talks in a sentence. Let us go to the other side. And if we don't understand that this is God's methodology to construct you before he shows you, we'll constantly end up in recycle seasons because we're making exits because this doesn't look like the route that I thought God told me to go. God wants you to be rid of your Egypt self. And if you're watching this, you're like, okay, what do you mean, Jay, your Egypt self? You'll still curse them out if they cuss you out. If they come at you some type of way, you're going to come at them some type of way. If they come at you zero to 100, you coming at them at zero to 100. Don't try me, boo-boo. Nuck if he buck, boy. God wants that out. I don't want you to nuck if he buck, boy. I want you to be humble and represent me, boy. That's what I want. I don't want you to nuck and buck. I don't want you to, when you get blessed, immediately think about the TV you could buy, immediately think about a bigger house that you could buy. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. I want you to get blessed not so that you can heighten your fence, but so that you can lengthen your table. That's Egypt behavior for you to hoard things. God wants you to give. You tried everything else. You tried your will. You tried the club scene. You tried making your own way. How about try me for a chance? Oh, taste and see. Try me out to see if I actually am as good as I say I am. Test me. I got to get it out of you. I got to get it out of you. So let's, let me give you some points. How does God and why would God let us go through? Why would God say, hey, I need for us to load this boat and we're going to cross over to the other side. And see, I understand this now, Tracy, why there were little boats. I understand now why the little boats was there so that when the big boat doesn't sink, they can have faith if he could do it for them. We're all in the same storm. See, it's that lighter faith. We're all in the same storm. But God sometimes surrounds you by people because you don't even recognize God is making you to be a blueprint. And when everybody else recognizes we're all in the storm, but Jesus was in that boat and Jesus calmed the storm. And now we're all benefits. If they don't know because they were too far, if they don't know because they were drifting too back, once you land on shore and they say, man, that storm just stopped out of nowhere, what happened? They'll say, man, Jesus got up. Jesus came up here and he began to speak to the wind and he began to speak to the waves. God will always surround you with people so they can watch his glory in your life. 
<sighs> Point number one, the necessity of pressure. Yeah. The necessity of pressure. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. As they're going to the other side, they experience a storm. Why? Because the way that I'm going to grow you is I have to have you experience pressure. Please hear me. Pressure reveals placement. God, pressure reveals placement. You really don't know where your faith is placed in until you've had some pressure. You really don't know what you believe until your belief has experienced some pressure. See, a lot of us claim that, hey, I represent the Lord, but I wonder would you represent him under pressure? And then before you say, yeah, I'll represent him under pressure, but that pressure made you cuss them out. So there is a necessity of pressure because I have to get all this stuff out of you. Everybody wants to be anointed, but nobody wants to be crushed. I shared this like years ago, well, not years ago, like months ago, earlier this year. There was something I did, and I want you guys to see it. I'm going to do it one more time. I want you to see this. So this is going to be symbolic of the sword. I know it's not a sword, it's a knife. And my wife didn't know I took the knife, so I love you. <laughs> um, but this is going to represent the sword. So what happens many times when you come to church and you hear messages like this, and you hear content like this, the word of God just seems to just cut you. Y'all ever been there? Y'all ever been there where it's like the word is just cutting you? Just like, oh, he's, he's coming for my edges. Matter of fact, he's coming for my soul. Somebody else leave a comment and say, he's not coming for my soul. He's coming for my soul and my unborn children. <laughs> he's coming for me. I'm like, girl, you went deep. So sometimes the word cuts you, right? And so why God has pressure, why he crushes you, why he allows things to come into your life and test you and squeeze you. You said that you wanted, wanted to be anointed, but if you truly want to be anointed, you're going to have to be crushed. I'm going to have to have you go through something that's going to be very difficult, that's going to be very hard. I'm going to have to crush you. And a lot of us right now, if you're looking at this, this is a messy process. This is an ugly process, and we don't like this process, but there's a, in the mess, in the mess there is a message I wouldn't be able to get the seeds I wouldn't be able to get the seeds out of this if I didn't crush it what if God is saying there's a seed on the inside of you the seed of who I called you to be the seed of your purpose but I can't get it out until you've been crushed <laughs> I can't get it out until you've been crushed. And now once you've been crushed, you could be a drink offer for other people. Other people could glean from you being crushed. Everybody wants to be anointed. Nobody wants to be crushed. And perhaps God crushes you because he's trying to get the seed that he put in you out of you. Anytime you have fruit that is seedless, it has been manipulated by man. Woo! God has made everything to reproduce itself after its own kind. You're not supposed to live life seedless. You got to have a seed on the inside of you. You are the seed of the righteous. This is why God doesn't trip when we go through storms and when they throw dirt because those are the ingredients for growth. 
Those are the ingredients for growth. If you're the seed of the righteous and they're throwing dirt on you and you're experiencing a trial, you're so focused on the water and you're so focused on the dirt that you can't see I need this ingredient so that I could grow. I need these ingredients that I could grow. Oh, yeah, and there's something called photosynthesis. What does that mean? The sun shines on me. God's going to say, yes, they're throwing dirt, and yes, this is rain, but guess what? I'm shining on you. You're going to grow from this. You're going to get out of this. You're going to survive from this. You're going to get wiser from this. You're going to have more passion from this. I put you in the fire so that you can come out on fire. The necessity of pressure. Point number two, the necessity of introduction. The necessity of introduction. Ever so often, I believe God wants to introduce himself to you. That you view me in one thing, but I want you to see I'm everything. <laughs> see, in, in this moment, I believe Jesus had to show them, y'all know me as rabbi. Y'all know me as rabbi, but I'm going to allow a storm to hit your life. Well, I can introduce you to, I'm not just rabbi. I am also a regulator. <laughs> I'm also a regulator. You didn't know that I could calm storms. We know that they didn't know this because after he said, peace be still, you know what they said? What matter of man is this? <laughs> that even the winds and the waves obey him. I have to introduce you to another dimension of who I am. I'm a regulator. He did the same thing with Jairus. Jairus wanted him to be a healer, but he allowed his daughter to die so that he could raise him from the dead because you wanted me to be a healer, but I want to introduce you to another dimension of who I am. I'm also the resurrection. What if God is allowing for you to go through this because he wants to introduce you to himself as multifaceted? The necessity of introduction. Point number three, the necessity of confirmation. God is saying, listen, I want to introduce you to confirmation. I want to introduce you to the same God that raised me from the dead is the same God that lives on the inside of you. And you have authority. But you wouldn't know you had authority unless I pushed you in a situation where you had to use your authority. Number four, the necessity of education. Okay, I'm looking at this story. And I'm like, oh, if you read the text, the Bible says the waves were beating. So I'm thinking, beating again. I don't know if Jesus was just knocked out, if he just loved storms so much. Because the Bible says that, uh, let's go ahead and look at this. The Bible says in verse, um, let's go, verse 37, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. You know what that means? I'm like, Jesus, are you sleeping on a waterbed? <laughs> what are you doing? So we got waves beating against this boat. The Bible says a windstorm. So I'm thinking it's, you're hearing all the wind, all this rain, water's coming over the boat, and Jesus down there. How are you sleeping, bro? Until I recognize, oh, the necessity of education. Maybe Jesus is educating me. This is what you do when you're in a storm. You rest. <laughs> you rest. Why? Because I'm with you. 
I'm, you can try to throw all the water back in the ocean. That's going to fail. You can try to use the paddles. That's going to fail. You can probably try to call the other little boats. That's going to fail too. They terrify too. I want to show you this is what you do when you go through. You rest in me. I'm not going to let you drown. That does not mean you're not going to get hit by a wave. That does not mean you're not going to hear thunder. That does not mean you're not going to have lightning. That does not mean you're not going to get wet. But it does mean, baby, we ain't going to sink. We not going to sink. I need you to rest in me and trust me. He's modeling what it looks like to have peace that surpasses your understanding. The necessity of education. I want to educate you. When you go through, rest in me. I'm not going to let you drown. You might get wet. I hear the thunder too, but I'm not going to let you go under. Last point. The necessity of revelation. Once you experience God is with you through one thing. See, y'all talk to me. Have you ever gone through something that left you terrified, but God came through and you noticed that the next time something happened, you wasn't as terrified as you were the last time you were terrified because something kind of in you was like, yeah, it looks bad, but but I kind of been here before. And since I kind of been here before, I, I kind of think that God's going to come through. And he comes through. And then something else happens in your life. And you now you kind of like, you know what? It looks bad. But I just kind of know that God got me. Like I'm kind of walking around with Godfidence. I'm walking around with confidence. It looks bad. It looks rough. But I remember the last time. And I remember the last time. And I remember the last time. Now it makes sense why in the Old Testament God kept on saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember me. If you can remember what I did with Abraham, I'm a promise keeper. If you can remember what I did with Isaac, if you can remember what I did with Jacob, how much more do I need you to remember what I did with your last season? What did I do on your 27th? What did I do in your 2018, your 2016, your 2019? I got you through that, but some of us, you never know what I'm talking about. Because instead of you resting in him, you're trying to get the water out the boat. So you have no point in reference to trust. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. What you need to rest in is if Jesus says, let us go to the other side, you're going to get to the other side doesn't matter what you face it doesn't matter what you're going through if Jesus says this is where you're going if he says that you're more than a conqueror if he says that you're the head and not the tail if he said that you're blessed in and you're blessed going you're blessed in the city and you're blessed out the city you're blessed but the main problem family the reason we're not experiencing the blessing the Bible speaks about is because we're not being the followers and the sons and daughters the Bible speaks about. We can't engage in lukewarm living and expect to get out of a hell season. So God, we ask you, teach us. Many times we get so shocked and we get so stunned by the things that are happening in our life and we're seeing in this biblical narrative that doesn't always mean we went the wrong way. Sometimes it's irrefutable evidence that we're going the right way. There was somebody on the other side of this storm that had demons and you set them free. The enemy always tries to send us a storm 
to stop us from getting to where we need to get to to exercise our assignment. Help us, God, to remember that you're faithful. Help us to remember that you're loving. Help us to remember that you're worthy of the praise. Help us to remember that we should give you worship because worship is worth-ship. We express our worth to you. Give us hearts to trust you, even in the midst of windstorms, COVID, and whatever we face, because there's something that you're trying to create in us. If we don't go through the fire, We'll never see the fourth man in the fire. In Jesus' name we pray.